Welcome to the Nat and Sarah Show, where we aim to touch, move, and inspire you every single week. Really? We're really going to introduce our own show? Maybe we should leave it to the pro. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. One second, ladies. Here we go. Sarah Maxwell and Natalie Cook are experts in visualization and deliberate use of the law of attraction. As dynamic world athletes representing Canada and Australia in beach volleyball, they honed in on achievement at the highest level. Winning an Olympic gold medal on her home beach of Bondi is a pinnacle example. Their powerful techniques transmute the spiritual to the tangible, allowing thousands of their community members to bring their vision boards to life. Recently, they've taken their expertise on the road as the full-time family, where they inspire, coach, and lead people to create their unique, deliberate family life using a simplified three-step process. Welcome to the Nat and Sarah Show. Join us for twice-weekly episodes. Each week, Nat and Sarah will teach us how to deliberately create results in all areas of life using their unique three-step process. Not only that, they'll also sit down with some of their favorite high achievers who have manifested what most merely dream about. Are you a member of the community? Go to bit.ly slash the Nat and Sarah show to download your three-step journal to follow along with each workshop style teaching episode and get ready to take action on your inspirations. Hey dreamers, today we continue the conversation with Dandapani, a Hindu priest, entrepreneur, and a former monk of 10 years. His mission is to help people live a life of purpose and joy by empowering them with tools and teachings that have been used by Hindu monks of his tradition for thousands of years. He seems to be able to bring often esoteric principles into the right here, right now for all of you. He is funny, or so he thinks, down to earth, and the real deal. When his time was up at the monastery, he only had just enough cash to get to New York City, but he did have his MacBook Pro. This, ma- this monk debunks so many myths. As a new father, a new streamlining to his business, and his 33-acre Costa Rican spiritual sanctuary coming to life, it's creative new frontiers for this former monk. Thank you, Dandapani, for taking some time out from changing diapers to share some key principles of meditation. You're most welcome, Sarah. My I'll friend. Do it for you. All right. Did Why I the heck? You? No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. I'm so sorry. I thought you were done. <laughs> you just kept no, talking. I just keep going. Okay. No, you I can. Got tired, you I got tired. I got tired of hearing about myself. It's like, let's talk. <laughs> let's go. Okay. Well, here's the let's go. Like, why meditate in the first place? Is it just some fad? I think for a lot of people it is, you know. Uh, I think that should be a purpose for meditation. And I think a lot of times for people, they think meditation is going to give them some relief to their yeah, mental state, the crazy mental state. Or they think that meditation is going to help them focus. That's a lot of reasons why a lot of people meditate is because they think if I meditate, I can concentrate. Yeah. And that's the absolute BS. Concentration precedes meditation. You concentrate in order to meditate, but meditation does not lead to concentration. Okay. So I've heard you say that 
your guru used to help you prepare for meditation yes. much more than you actually meditated. Mm -hmm. So is this what you're getting at a little bit with? Exactly. Yep. Okay. So what do you talk? How, so if I don't have concentration and yet I'm trying to do, use that meditation to have it, then how the heck can I proceed? I don't understand. Yes. So if I'm a distracted person and then, you know, when I'm sitting down speaking with someone and within like five seconds, I'm thinking about 20 different things while that person's talking. And this is my whole day. This is who I am. And I think that meditation can help me. So I go sit down for five minutes in the morning quietly. I close my eyes. What do you think is happening inside my head? Well, same thing, right? During the day, it's going all over the place. My awareness is going all over the place. Absolutely. So during that five minutes of sitting down, what I'm really practicing is I'm practicing the art of distraction in a more concentrated way. Mm -hmm. I'm focusing on distraction because that's all I've been practicing all day. The goal is to develop concentration throughout the day so that when you actually come to sit to meditate, you can actually focus. Because meditation, we should define meditation. One definition of meditation is meditation is a prolonged state of concentration. Got it. Yeah. So take uh, Usain Bolt, for example, the Olympian, right? Mm -hmm. I know very little about him. I'll make a few assumptions. You tell me if, if I'm off with my assumptions or not. You, okay? I can pretend I know him. Okay, you I, can, don't, I don't, but Nat met him once, but that's it. Well, pretend you know Usain. You and Usain go way back, all right? A bolt, as you call him. Yes. So, yes, Olympic gold medalist many times over, fastest man on, on earth. Yeah. Uh, I bet you he uh, drinks a lot of water. He stretches a lot because he sprints, right? So you probably want to get your muscles all nicely stretched. Mm -hmm. He goes to the gym a lot. That boy's ripped. Have you seen him? I and mean, there's not an ounce of fat on him, mm. right? He works out, he runs. His whole day is preparing him for 9.58 seconds, mm. not 9.58 seconds preparing him for the whole day. And the same way my guru taught us in the monastery, the same way too, our whole day was a preparation for meditation. We were integrating the practice, the art of developing concentration in everything we did throughout the day in the monastery, whether we worked on our computers, when we were speaking with other monks, we were speaking with guests, we were eating, we were washing our dishes, sweeping the floor, we were practicing concentration. So then when we actually sat down to meditate as a group for one hour in the morning, we were totally concentrated because we had been practicing it for 23 hours, right? So a lot of people do the complete opposite. They're distracted for 23 hours and 55 minutes. And then they sit down for five minutes, hoping that that five minutes will somehow miraculously impact the 23 hours and 55 minutes. And you're an athlete, you know, it doesn't work that way. You can't eat hamburgers and pizzas all day, sit on your couch and then get on the, the volleyball court and then hope to play volleyball. That's right. It doesn't work that way. But I think you've just explained why meditation for new people is so treacherous yeah. because people think it's going to be peaceful and it's not, it's not very peaceful. I'm going to circle back to that point. Okay. Yeah. About that's another topic about the peaceful. Oh, that it, yeah. Being well, a byproduct of meditation. Because I think that people, like you said, are you engaging in meditation for something that doesn't initially come. Would you say that's true? Like meaning the reason why they initially want to meditate that a lot of people I know is they want peace. Yes. Exactly. So when it doesn't come in the first five minutes, what do you cancel? What do you cancel? 
council, like council. Oh, council, council. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, my, it's my accent. It is your accent. Um, well, I, I would say a couple of things here. You know, one is that I think let's just dial back a little bit to kind of wrap up the previous question. Yeah. You know, a lot of people in today's world are teaching meditation. And most of these people that teach meditation, I think I'm very well trained in meditation. Mm. Right. And, and it's so easy to get certified nowadays. You go do like a bloody weekend course and you get certified as a meditation teacher. Right. You want to be a yoga teacher. You have to do 200 hours of yoga teacher training to be certified as a yoga teacher, right? In the monastery, to be certified, to be qualified as a teacher, to gain the status of a teacher in the monastery, in the monastery that I lived in, you lived a life of a celibate monk away from family and friends, leading a strict, disciplined, arduous training life. And after 36 years, you would be qualified as a teacher. 36 years? Yeah. So when somebody, you know, is wearing hot Lululemon pants and, you know, doing 200 hours and saying, I'm a teacher, I'm going like, give me a break. Yeah. Wow. You know? So I think what's happened is that you have these people that are not really well trained in meditation. They're going out and the first thing they do is let's go and teach people meditation. So all of a sudden just say, I come out from my weekend course in Costa Rica. I'm certified as a meditation teacher. Down the pony is down the new meditation teacher. I'm in New York. I, I look the part, I play the part, people come up to me, can you teach me meditation? I say, of course. The first thing I do, we sit down, we start meditating. That's not how you learn to meditate. Nat told me that we're part of a training, you know, for volleyball, that she spent six months in the sand without a ball. Well, I was like hoping um, you were going to share that. Right? Six months in the sand without a ball. And it's called volleyball, <laughs> not volley sand, right? Yeah. But it was all preparing her, right? Mm -hmm. And in the monastery, it was the same way. You don't learn to meditate first. You wax on, wax off. Wow. Right? You learn about the mind. You learn how to concentrate. You learn how to develop willpower. You prepare your body. You learn about energy. You learn how to breathe. Then you learn to meditate. And I think what people have done in today's world is people have given – the audience what they wanted, right? So it's easier for me to sell a meditation course if you learn to meditate as soon as you download the course. Because right. that's what people want. But for example, I have a 12-week online course on the mind and meditation. You don't start meditating till week 10. Got it. Some people go like, I don't want to wait 10 weeks to meditate. I want to meditate right now. And they're like, well, that's not how I do it. Got it. You don't. Right. You don't learn to spike in the first day of volleyball, do you? I'm so, uh, so thank you. Like I've yeah. just got synapses joining yeah. right now because I just linked that volleyball example. Thank you to meditating because the reason why the ball was taken out was because the ball was a great distraction. And the moment that the ball was there, we would forget all those other things that we learned and we would just get obsessed with where the ball was. And so our body positions were all out of whack and yeah, we just basically got so obsessed on that that we forgot. We just had no external awareness of what was going on. So is that similar to if you just start meditating or breathing in, breathing out straight away week yeah. one? It's similar. And it's also like, you know, if I wanted to be a ballet dancer, you know, what would be the first steps? You know, I wouldn't be doing pirouette on the first day. I'd learn to train my body. I'd learn to stand up straight, learn to stretch, learn different body postures before I learn to do the next thing. So meditation is the same way, you know, like 
if you haven't done all the things that are required for meditation, how can you meditate? Meditation has prerequisites, mm. like everything else in life. Right? And we understand this. Before you get on the road to drive your car, you need to learn how to drive the car. The prerequisites for it. You might learn the actual to... goal, though, of meditating to have this per a perfect mind or to even control the mind. Is that even the goal of it anyway? No. Okay. Well, it is the goal at the end, but it's not a requirement to meditate. An understanding of how these things work is an important part. An understanding that you need to cultivate concentration, the understanding of how to cultivate concentration is all required before you start meditating. You don't have to be a master at concentration before you meditate, but you need to understand the mind. You need to know how to cultivate concentration so you can be developing all these things that support the meditation practice. If not, you're going into a practice where you don't have all the prerequisites to support it. Okay, so, bring it, so now I think we're ready for peacefulness. So where does the peacefulness come in? See, this is a, a, it tells me a very good sign that you have ability to concentrate because you have a continuity of consciousness, right? Because I brought up the peace, you brought up the peace thing a few minutes ago. I told you, let's put that on hold because I wanted to wrap up the previous topic, which hasn't come full circle yet. And then you automatically move the awareness now to the thing that we put on hold, which shows your ability to control your awareness in your mind, which is a very good sign. Does now, it also show impatience that I, I came half circle instead of full circle? Yes, grasshopper. Extreme impatience. <laughs> he was like, where's the peace? Bring exactly. me the peace. Where's the peace? Like, show me the money, but bring me the peace. Yeah. Right. So a simplified way of looking at the mind, uh, you can break the mind up into three parts, three parts, the conscious mind, the subconscious, and the superconscious. Stack them up as a three-story building. The conscious mind would be on the ground floor, the subconscious in the middle, the superconscious on the third floor. Most people function in the conscious mind, which is an external state of mind, and, and it's driven by your five senses and the world around you. And that's where people live in this awareness, bounce around there like a pinball in a pinball machine, just all over the place. When you start to meditate, you're starting to calm your senses. You close your eyes, you regulate your breath, you still your body by sitting down. Now the conscious mind starts to be harnessed, right? And the more you do that, the, mind, the awareness starts to experience the conscious mind in a way it never did before. Because for the first time, it's going like, oh, wow, I'm trying to quieten all of this. So that's the first sense of peace that people experience in meditation. When they're actually, for the first time, taking control over their physical body, controlling over their breath, stilling their body, closing their eyes, controlling their breath, Right. And, and awareness is experiencing the conscious mind in a form that it never has before. So they get this false sense of peace, right? Right. Then this is where the drama happens, right? So once the conscious mind starts to get calm, right, and you move out of the conscious mind, the next floor you enter is the subconscious. The subconscious is basically a simplified way to look at it. It's a hard drive, a memory bank of Every experience you've ever had in your life, whether you remember it or don't remember it, gets registered in your subconscious. And those experiences have emotion attached to them. Now, when you leave the conscious mind and you start to go into the subconscious, most people's subconscious mind is like a trash can, right? 
it is filled with unresolved emotional experiences for most people. So when you go in there, you go like, holy crap, look at all this shit in my head. Yeah, right. I don't want to deal with, yeah, literally, I don't want to deal with this stuff. And that's when most people stop meditating. They go like, well, I did enjoy the practice. I'm a little bit busy right now. I'm trying to launch this. I'm trying to do this. I'm going to come back to it in the summer. You know, I'm going to take it up again. And then when summer comes around, something else comes out and that's people start meditating. They stop meditating because they encounter their subconscious. And here's another thing. Most people that teach you how to meditate today never teach you these things. So you know there's a wise teacher when one of the things he teaches you in the early stages of meditation is how to deal with the subconscious. Because he knows, he or she knows that awareness is going to encounter the subconscious. It's going to encounter unresolved emotional experiences. So one of the tools that teacher will give you is here is how you deal with this when it comes up. An unexperienced teacher will never even bring this up because they don't, they're not even aware this is happening. My beach volleyball partner, when we were playing volleyball, we did meditation practice with a teacher. And she said a year in, she's like, my life was so much better before I started meditating. Your meditation (laughs) teacher said that? No, my, my beach volleyball partner, she'll love that I'm saying this. Marie-André, shout out to you, girlfriend. This is my favorite thing about you. She's so cool. She said, meditation sucks. My life was way better before I started meditating. And you know what he said to her? He said, no, you're just now aware of all that crap that was actually controlling your life. And because her perception was that ignorance was bliss, sort of. And in, in some way he said, well, Bliss maybe, but he said it was controlling your life. It was maneuvering your life without your awareness. And now you're just aware and you're calling that a crappy feeling. So, sorry, I just wanted to give that real example of how it can feel when you're moving through these floors. Exactly. And and that's exactly what your volleyball partner experienced, right? She went into her subconscious through her meditation, took her awareness into her subconscious, and she started to see all the things in the subconscious and all of those things started to come up. And she went, this is not fun at all. Mm-hmm. But that's actually what happens. And a lot of times people don't tell you that this is happening. Mm-hmm. You know? and, and so I don't know that we got to super conscious. I don't know. That the, I never heard about the other floor. So what's that? <laughs> what happened to the third floor? He what didn't tell anything floor? about that. <laughs> right. So the super conscious is your highly refined area of your mind. It's your deeply spiritual, creative area of your mind. Uh, where intuition comes from, creativity comes from, your deeper spiritual experiences. Uh, and that's the superconscious region of the mind. In order to get to the superconscious, you actually need to go through the subconscious to enter the superconscious. So I'm really getting that in order to reach nirvana, yeah. we have to move through some of these areas that, like you said, some people quit or stop or start yeah. making excuses during this, this period. Because so- it's difficult, right? That's right. So this is where it gets a little bit difficult. However, there is something good waiting on the other side. Yep. So are there any other challenges that someone who's new to meditation could come up against when they're just beginning? That's a great question. I would say, you know, if your purpose in meditation is not so profound, then that's going to be a challenge. So if your purpose in meditation is to find peace of mind, or tranquility or something like that, a sense of quietness, 
you may get that after a few months of meditating or a year of meditating. And then you might be experiencing peace for a year. And then you go, what the hell am I going to do with this peace? What's next? Right? So a lot of people also get there because their goal in meditation is peace or relaxation. And then they get there and they go, okay, now what? So for me, meditation, the the goal of meditation is self-realization or enlightenment as defined by the philosophy I subscribe to is to realize that through deep meditation, you realize that God and you are one and the same being. So now that's a very lofty goal, right? And it gives you years and years to work on that and strive towards that, that deeper, profound experience of meditation and then feeling peace, a sense of control over your mind comes as a byproduct as you work towards that. So, Okay, I'm going to dial it back for a sec from you and God being one. Are there impacts? So how has meditation impacted your life in terms of being a husband or being a father? Like where have the impacts come in for you in those areas? For me, one of the biggest impacts of meditation is that it's helped me, first of all, reveal my subconscious to me, right? So like I said, you're getting through your conscious mind, you see your subconscious. And one of the things that you really have to cultivate in meditation is the sense of uh, responsibility. You really have to take ownership of everything inside of you because you created all that crap inside of you. So that was one of the big things that my teacher taught me is that you know, everything is a result of my creation. And I am the sole reason for everything that's happening in my life. Right. I, I am the creator of it. And when I look at my subconscious, I can see all the good parts and all the not so good part. And I need to be able to accept it. Now, accepting doesn't mean I condone it. I approve it. Accepting is merely stating that this is where I am right now. And I'm a work in progress. I'm a building under construction. There's some nails around and some pieces of wood and shrapnel around and stuff like that. I don't know why they have shrapnel in the construction site, but you know what I'm saying, right? Well, well we know it's in your subconscious now. Shrapnel. Exactly, shrapnel, <laughs> right? And, and once I accept all of me, and accepting, again, is not approving, just acknowledging that all of this is within me, I put myself in a much better place than to, to interact with my spouse, with my child, because when something happens... And I react, I can go like, ah, it's this issue. Sector 25 in my subconscious is being stirred up and obviously needs to be dealt with, right? And, and I can take ownership of it. And I go like, yeah, it's, it's something I have. And that's why I keep reacting to it all the time. And, and meditation is basically turning the magnifying glass on myself, allowing me to see the good parts and the not so good parts and really work with the not so good parts and then work to cultivate so this is great and you 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 kind of made this little distinction between the word approve and accept so you accept it but you don't necessarily approve of it can you give me a little bit more about that because i think this could really help in relationships yeah for sure so i i look at myself and i go if i don't eat on time i get cranky I acknowledge that's a character inside of me. I don't approve it because if I don't get food, I shouldn't be yelling at people. Yeah. Right. 
but I understand that this is a character, a pattern inside of me. Yeah. Now let me spend the next few weeks, a few months, a few years working to change that pattern. So, but, I, but not when yeah, you don't accept it, that's yeah. when you, you can't work on something. Like, you know, the example of the only way I can stop being an alcoholic, I'm not saying I am an alcoholic, the Got only it. way I stop being an alcoholic <laughs> is that I can look at myself and go, oh, I have an alcohol problem, right? Once I can acknowledge that I have that problem and, and accept that I have that problem, I don't have to agree with it. I, then I can start to work on it. Does that make sense? Okay. So basically acceptance mm -hmm. allows you to acknowledge it, mm -hmm. to work on it, but approve would be what? To say that it's okay. That it's okay. It's okay for me to be a jerk. You know what? If Got I don't it. get my food on time, woman, go get my food. Got it. That's so it's like right. condoning almost. Like <laughs> yeah, condoning or yeah, justifying. That's why I said earlier, you know, accept, mm -hmm. acceptance doesn't mean you condone it, right? You don't, you, it doesn't allow you to be acceptance, meaning you go like, wow, I acknowledge that I have this pattern inside of me. And this pattern might have been created over the last 20 years. And I know it's going to take a little while to change it. I accept that it's part of me, but I don't approve of it. But that, me not approving it doesn't allow me to change it instantaneously. It yeah. took 20 years to create. It's going to take a little while to unwind. Yeah, God. So I acknowledge it's inside of me. I don't approve it. I don't like it but I know I have to live with it because it's going to take a little while to un, uh, undo itself. And I think a lot of times, you know, especially in today's kind of new age world, people have these stupid statements that say, I'm okay. I am me. I accept all of me. And I go like, yeah, well, that's only half the equation because you accepting you as a jerk is not enough. This is not okay. Mm. Right. You need to do, it's okay to accept you as all of you, but you need to acknowledge that part of you that's a jerk and start working to change it. And it might take you five years to change it. As long as you're working to change it, it's fine. So I look at me, you know, Sarah, and I see problems inside of me that I can change within a few days and a few weeks. And there are other things I've been working on myself that's taken me 10, 20 years to change. Yeah. Even 30 years because they're deeply ingrained patterns, yeah. right? And, and I know I can't change them overnight. And, I, and, while, and during the time when I'm making working to change them, I'm going to be making those same mistakes again. <laughs> and that's another thing that people don't realize, right? When someone screws up multiple times, it's not because they're choosing to screw up. It's because, well, unless they're not working on the pattern, yeah. but if someone's working on themselves, that doesn't mean they're going to reverse that overnight. It could take five years for them to go from, from where they are to a new pattern that's completely different. But in that five years, they're going to screw up multiple times. And a lot of times people don't have empathy for that, right? They go like, oh, why is he making the same mistake? Got it. Because they don't. And I guess it's like you, sometimes people can't see the difference between someone who's working on something and somebody who's maybe condoning it or in denial right. about it. I mean, for me, this is really coming up in the area of apologies in relationships. I think um, enough, like a heartfelt apology in a relationship is really powerful, but I notice a pattern comes up in me like a defensiveness, a protection. And I, I like, it's like I'm gathering evidence, you know, for my side of the, the story. And I, and I literally could notice this physical barrier between saying sorry or yeah, like just taking it 
like taking responsibility. And, and it's like um, only through meditation and shifting my awareness, do I even notice that it's happening? Cause at first I'm just really upset with the other person. And then I'm yeah. running a lot of stories about all the problems that they've got. Yeah. Um, only, you know, all of a sudden this like red light goes on and you're like, Ooh, maybe this is that pattern. Maybe this is my thing right now. So, yeah. So, so I just wanted to, um, flag this for anybody who's got some, well, I hope we're all human. You know, if you're really in a relationship for a long period of time, I think you've got some of this going on because that's our subconscious, you know, subconscious is playing itself out inside of the relationship. And, and if you really could see your subconscious and, and really take ownership of all the good and not so good things in your subconscious, then there's no need to defend yourself. At that point, you go like, yeah, that's part of me. That's part of the crap I have inside of me. I'm working on it. You know, and I've said to my wife too, you know, where she's pointed out certain things about my behavior that that's not kosher, you know. And I said to her, yeah, I realize it's there. Give me six months. Hmm. Oh, give me a year. Because then it changes everything. And I go to her like, well, in the next one year, I might be a jerk a few more times. But just keep in mind, I'm working on it. Because if I just say, oh, I'm really sorry. What, I'm not going to make the same mistake again? That's not true. If it's a pattern, the whole thing about a pattern is that it's repetitive, right? That's what patterns are. Yeah. So to say that I'm sorry. Operating generally out of our awareness you know it's like triggered it's like coming up quickly exactly so, so to say sorry and and not make a point that it won't happen again is is unrealistic you can say sorry and i'm saying like hey it's gonna happen a few more times uh this is an intense pattern it might take three years this is an easy one i can give me a week i'll, I'll be done with it Nat's gonna love this interview she's gonna be like <laughs> oh yeah record that one I'm going to get playback at nighttime, like, so she's going to love this. So, so I just want to ensure that those people that are really here to um, understand what meditation is, what some of the challenges are in the beginning, why they might even want to engage in a meditation practice. So you've created a little revolution of how directing the mind can benefit inside of the business realm how have entrepreneurs taken this on has it been like um well received like are entrepreneurs into this kind of thing or are they kind of like this is not kosher well i don't know if all entrepreneurs are into this i i only work with entrepreneurs why wouldn't you say that i do i'm actually working with a couple of athletes as well but i work uh primarily with entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs I work with uh, are into it because I think one of the things they are starting to understand, or at least a point I try to make to them is that the better you understand you, the more you can do with you. I'll give you a very simple story to uh, elucidate this point. Uh, One of my best friends lives in Australia. He's a certified Adobe Photoshop expert, right? So many years ago, he sent me a picture of a mini that he took parked on the side of the street. And he said, I took this picture, I touched it up, have a look at it. I looked at the photo and I went like, so what? And I emailed him back literally saying, so what? It's, it's okay. And he wrote back and he said, they don't make four-door minis. This is back when they only had two-door minis. So he had taken a picture of a two-door mini, he had stretched out the mini, put two more doors at the back, oh. with reflections on it and everything. And they could, could not tell that he had doctored it because he knows Photoshop so well. He could do all these things with it. 
And I say to entrepreneurs the same thing. So imagine now that you're running your business, you're running with the, your business with very little understanding of how your mind works. So imagine if you understood your mind even more, how would that impact your business? The same way, if I understood Photoshop more, I can do more things with it. If I understand my mind more, I could, I could do more with my mind. And meditation is one tool to help you understand your mind better and help you harness your mind and, and really channel the, the powers of your mind towards creating something in your life. Beautiful. I love yeah. your examples, honestly. They're really, yeah. like, it's so simple, but it just lands, truly. Like, I really appreciate how you um, break something down in, in a digestible chunk. So, I have a very simple mind. <laughs> yeah, wait. Well, you simplified. That was one of... I, I never did well in school. That's, this is all I got. <laughs> I heard, I know you went to university. I know, I know there's some, um, there's some brains behind that brawn. So I truly just want to thank you. I'm always left full of possibility when I speak with you. That doesn't mean I'm inspired and that doesn't mean I'm motivated, but it truly feels like possibility is all around me. You solidify things for me. You give me hope as to a future that can be more fulfilling and rich to lead a joyous life. And I just want to thank you for continuing to make spiritual practices like tangible and then they're accessible. And I just love working and playing with you. So thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for having me on this. I really appreciate it as well. And thank you for asking great questions. I really truly value that skill that you have. It's almost like you're Oprah, but not. <laughs> but not black. But not exactly i'm half i keep telling him i know how come the brown people don't recognize me oh <laughs> my gosh over and out dreamers love that you have paid attention remain focused and concentrated long enough this was your first practice in preparation for meditation over and out Thank you so much for listening to the show. Don't forget to join the community at bit.ly slash the Nat and Sarah show to download your three-step journal and participate in weekly lives found only in our private group. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You've got to rate and review the show. And I know all the podcasts are always asking this. And in the past, I wasn't doing it. And the reason I wasn't doing it is because I actually didn't know how to do it. So open your podcast player and click on our show from your library, not the listen now. That's where I was going wrong in the past. So now that you know how to do it, when you go there, make sure you give us a five star review, five stars, five stars, five stars, and then click on write a review link to actually write a review so that you can tell other people that we're legit and even funny, maybe a bit serious. So if you want to recommend this to someone, you have to. Put your fingers on the keys and send us a review. Thanks.